Hello, everybody, and welcome into today's episode of Around the Plays. Of course, we are back with a staple preview show for the Bills' next game, this time technically on a Wednesday at the time of this recording because the Bills were on a short week. They played the Patriots on Sunday. You can go see my recap. That's probably it's a pretty energetic recap. Um, But short week, four days later, at this point, at almost this time tomorrow, they'll be playing against the Bucks tomorrow night on Thursday Night Football, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. So without further ado, let's just get into the preview because this team needs to turn around fast. So basic general broadcast information so you know where to stream it, watch it, listen, all that. So it is tomorrow night, Thursday, October 26th. The game is at 8.15 p.m. on Amazon Prime Video. If you live in the Buffalo area, I the Buffalo TV market, I heard you can watch it on Channel 7 WKBW. But if you don't, in general, if you live in the Rochester area like me or literally anywhere else, you have to have Amazon Prime Video, just like all the other Thursday night football games. And the Thursday night football games have been really, really bad this year and last year. Bad experience for the NFL. I don't know how long they'll keep it for, but hopefully this one's a good one. Uh, let's get into injuries before we get into the actual, like, what you could call preview stuff, keys and predictions and all that. So today I'm recording this. Let's see. I'm recording this Wednesday, October 25th afternoon. And so I only have the practice reports for Monday, October 23rd, and Tuesday, October 24th. So that's what I'll be relaying and sharing with you guys. Uh, QB Josh Allen, he was listed here right shoulder, but he did practice in full Wednesday and Thursday. Wednesday, they just held a rock walkthrough, so it's more of an estimation once again, like I explained last week. Linebacker Terrell Bernard, knee, but he practiced in full Monday and Tuesday. Uh, tackle Spencer Brown, knee, but he practiced in full both Monday and Tuesday. So nothing concerning at all yet. Cornerback Kyrie Elam, ankle, practiced in full Monday and Tuesday. Um, tight end Dawson Knox, wrist, he did not practice. DNP did not practice on Monday. DNP did not practice yesterday on Tuesday. But Sean McDermott said Monday that the day after the game that He'll be out. He didn't say the words indefinitely, but it's assumed indefinitely because there's no timetable yet. But bottom line is he's having wrist surgery, so he'll miss a lot of time, I assume. I assume he goes on IR and someone like Joel Wilson would get signed to the active roster permanently. But that's, um, yeah. So, but Knox will miss some time with wrist surgery. The decision was made the day after the game on Monday. McDermott announced it to the media. Media, which we saw on Twitter and all that, like X, whatever you want to call it, uh, the day after on Monday, two days ago on October 23rd. So what does this do for the offense? This means they're going to go back to traditional 11 personnel sets. And I don't see the last few games that it was trending towards that way anyway. And Kincaid actually outsnapped Knox, like not heavily, but he actually outsnapped Knox Sunday, which I fully agree with because I never want to hope for an injury, especially of Knox, who makes – $14 million a year as a tight end in this league, but he's been highly disappointed this season. He he He's not really a great route runner. Uh, he drops a bunch of passes, and I mean a lot, in the red zone and in high-pressure clutch situations, like that fourth and two against the Patriots dropped it, and it was a turnover on downs. 
He's dropped a couple of touchdowns throughout the course of the season. So maybe that this will get some shine to Dalton Kincaid. And spoiler alert, I'm not going to spoil all of it, but I have a prediction related to Dalton Kincaid, and I, I'm really excited Dalton Kincaid in this offense. So that's Dawson Knox. He'll probably miss a month or so going on IR. But for now, we just know, assumably, out indefinitely. Um, Defensive end Von Miller, vet rest slash knee. So I get... He was limited on Monday and limited yesterday and Tuesday. So the vet rest is probably because he's working back from the knee injury. But when they said Von Miller, they were going to ramp up Von Miller slowly and work him back slowly because it's Von Miller and his age and all that, the Bills weren't kidding. Brandon Bean, Sean McDermott, Eric Washington, D-line coach, anyone, uh, defense line coach, they weren't kidding. He only played in the first half Sunday, not a single snap in the second half. I believe he only played. Six snaps? Did I see that right? That can't be right. Either way, he only played in the first half, strictly first half, no second half at all. Uh, next injury here, after Von Miller working right down the list. That's been a heavy injury report the last few weeks. Tight end Quentin Morris, ankle, didn't practice Monday, didn't practice Tuesday. I'm fearful that he's not going to play tomorrow. Bills don't have practice today, but McDermott... Should rule a couple players out, unfortunately, tomorrow. And I'm fearful Quentin Morris might be one of those players. And then Joel Wilson will get signed for the practice ride. And our tight ends will be Dalton Kincaid and Joel Wilson. Not great. Dalton Kincaid is great, but behind him, that's pretty much nothing. So, defensive, this is a big one. Defense tackle at Oliver. Toe limited on Monday, limited yesterday on Tuesday. I'm very concerned about this. You saw what happens, first of all. I don't think he played Sunday because it was a short week and you don't want to re-aggravate anything in a short week going from four days away till your next game from Sunday, four days later till Thursday, which is tomorrow by now. But um, what was I saying? I'm very concerned about this because we know with that at Oliver, the, the defensive tackle room is highly, highly disappointed with Puna Ford. Puna Ford, Jordan Phillips, and Tim Settle. Highly disappointing, especially Tim Settle. Again, what has he done for the Bills in the two years? I don't know. Uh, anyway, so I am just highly concerned that he won't play. I'm ha and then defense tackle Jordan Phillips, another one back. He was limited Monday, limited yesterday, Tuesday. If he can't go, oh, my God, we're just going to be needing bodies there at that point. Um, I will say this though, I haven't even mentioned this. The Bills did re-sign. They did re-sign Ely Anku to the practice squad because he was he was released by the Vike, uh, Falcons, and like ten minutes later, he tweeted, "Now back to a re regularly scheduled programming," referring to the Bills because he's been on the staple of the practice squad for like the last couple of years. The new Brandon Bryant, if you will, elevated a few times, and every time he gets a chance, he gets his hands up there. He's a tall, lengthy, powerful guy. Lanky, powerful guy. So this sounds crazy to say. I think he'll get signed to the active roster, and I think he could push Tim set Phil Puna Ford and or Jordan Phillips for snaps. At least two of those I think he can push. I think he'll definitely get snapped Tim Settle once he gets in the groove of things, and maybe even Jordan Phillips. But this might be crazy to say. Ilianku, once he signs to the active roster, not considering Daquan Jones because unfortunately he's out for the year. Ilianku, sadly, Ilianku, I think is our best defensive tackle outside of Van Oliver's or second best defensive tackle once he signs the active roster. That just shows you how disappointing Ford Phillips, Tim Settle, but especially Settle. And lastly, 
Linebacker Baylin Spector, hamstring, didn't practice Monday, didn't practice yesterday and Tuesday, DNP both days. This kind of flew under the radar Monday in the whole cloud of the um, whole aftermath of McDermott dropping a bombshell that Knox will have wrist surgery, but Baylin Spector re-aggravated his hamstring injury, and it sounds kind of significant, so I think he'll go on IR and be up for the rest of the year because that will be his second trip to IR, second time on IR, whatever you want to say, so... Yeah, so those are the injuries. I'm worried. I'm not expecting Quentin Morris to play in about 50-50 right now if I, we don't have Ed Al, if Ed Oliver will play or not. Our defense room is rough, even with Oliver. <clears throat> Without Oliver, it's a whole nother thing. But, um... Without Oliver, it's just pitiful. So let's get into the actual preview dynamics, if you will, keys, predictions, player of the game, my five predictions, score, all that. So before I get into anything, I just want to say this is a, <clears throat> this is a must win, a must win, a must win for the Buffalo Bills. They have to, have to, no excuses, beat the Tampa Bay Buccaneers tomorrow night and Thursday night football. I know it's rare to say. I mean, you don't often say that a opposite conference game is a must win. It's not like a division game against the Dolphins, Jets, or Patriots. It's not like an AFC game at all in general against the Chiefs, Jaguars, uh, Jacks. It's NFC. So you rarely, if ever, say an opposite conference game is a must win. But at this point, damn, it's a must win. If they follow the Buccaneers and go 4-4, four and four, then I don't know. Before you buy, you still have the Bengals, and then you still have the Eagles, and then after you buy, you buy, you start the gauntlet. You, I don't know the order, but you have the Cowboys, the Chargers, um, the Cowboys, the Chargers, Jets, who always give you problems for some stupid reason. Uh, Chiefs, not to mention coming right out of the buy, and then I just said before the buy, you have the Eagles. And Bengals, Bengals is next Sunday, I believe. Yeah, uh, into November, crazy. Um, already weeknight, but <clears throat> yeah, this is a must win. Like I don't care, must, must, must win. I know it's an NFC game, AFC or NFC, but if you fall to four and four, so we mean the Bills. We're seventh in the AFC right now, the four and three record. If we lose and go to four and four, could we drop to eight, ninth? 10th? That's totally out of the AFC playoff picture, and the AFC is just heating up. The Jags are finally finding the groove. Chiefs and uh, Petrons finally had that Mahomes bonkers signature game, and Kelsey continues to just go wild. Dolphins are the Dolphins. They're probably, I'm not hiding the scared to say they'll probably win the division. The Jets are coming sneaky. We uh, Steelers, even though they're playing sloppy, continuing to find ways to win. The Texans are sneaky with CJ Stroud. The AFC minus is about Four or five teams. The top ten is very tight. And if we lose, I mean, if the Bills miss the playoffs, I'm not going to know what to do with myself. That's just going to be a miserable month, miserable January. I, I can't fathom not watching the Bills. I'm going to be in the month of January in the playoffs. I can't, I can't even imagine that. So, anyway, my three keys – for the well, actually, here I got four keys for the Bills' offense. I usually have three, but I have a fourth one because this this is a pivotal game, and I don't like I want to share as much as possible. 
That's why I have a fourth one there. Um, First key for the Bills offense, again, these are never really in order of importance or legitimacy or or how much I want them to happen. It's just three key, four in this case in general. Um, Treat Dalton Kincaid as the number two option in this passing offense. Line him up all over the field. Time to have some hard conversations, guys. Gabe Davis is not a number two option in an NFL offense. Not even close. He has drop issues. He has route running issues, separation issues. He's great at contested catches. He's great at boundary sideline catches, but that's about it. Not very explosive. Very limited player in terms of skill set and just talent, honestly. Don Kincaid, I said, by 2024, when he was drafted on this podcast, if you recall, by 2024, he will be the number two option in this passing game behind Diggs. Well, forget forget that. It needs to happen now, in the middle of 2023, right here, right now. Cool. Uh, where do you have it right now? Um, besides that, it needs to happen right now. Just now. Plainly, Gabe Davis is not that guy. Gabe Davis is a perfect third and fourth option. Let me bring you back. Let me rewind all the way to 2020. Gabe Davis' rookie year. Stefan Diggs was the first option, clear first option. John Brown was the second option. Cole Beasley was the the third option. And then Gabe Davis sprinkled in here and there, making great sideline catches, especially those two incredible heroic catches in the uh, the Colts wildcard game, is the fourth option, 2021. Once again, Stefan Diggs is the clear first option. Uh, John Brown was released at that point. So, uh, Cole Beasley was the second option. Emmanuel Sanders was the third option. The new John Brown replacement. A little better. Dawson Knox was the fourth option. And Gabe Davis, even better, was the fifth option. He thrived. And then in 2022, when him and Isaiah McKenzie... Uh, Whatever about Zay McKenzie. He's been playing for the Colts now, if at all. Um, Stefan is the clear first option. Knox was the third option. And then Gabe Davis was the second option. Didn't work. He was elevated in a role he wasn't expecting. And as a captain this year, he has to step up to that moment. But guys, he hasn't. Not even in the slightest, in my opinion. Highly disappointing. But him and Knox, highly disappointing. Knox is out now, but... There's a theme in 2021 or 2020. Gabe's rookie year was the fourth option. 22 when he struggled, second option. 21 when he thrived again, fifth option. So when he was the when he wasn't a top three option in this passing game, at least not number two, he was great, electric, awesome. So I think that needs to happen. I think, I think even maybe if Deontay Hardy overtakes him in terms of snaps, he can be the fourth option. So not. Knox isn't in the mix anymore, unfortunately. So this just hammers home that Dalton Kincaid needs to be the second option because I think it should go ideally. Diggs for clear first option forever and always. <laughs> that was weird. Um, Diggs clear first option. I was like, Diggs clear first option. Dalton Kincaid, I know he's a rookie, but damn, did you see what you saw from him last game? It catches 75 yards. He's going to get a touchdown one of these days, guys, I promise. Second option. Third option. Let's say Deontay Hardy starts out snap Gabe Davis. And fourth option is Gabe Davis. When Gabe, my point is, I'm trying to hammer on when Gabe 
to Davis. When Gabe is not a top two option, one or two, ideally three or four, then he is great. But he can't meet the moment, and he's a team captain. And right now, I am sorry, but he's a free agent this offseason. I don't want to hear from him or anyone else that he is a $13 million a year player. Very limited in his route tree, very limited in his skill set, and let's be honest, very limited in talent. Right now, I said he was valid at $12 million for the year. Hell, he might be even $10.5, 11000000 If he wants more than $10.5 per year, maybe eleven. Let's say eleven. If he wants more than eleven per year, I am sorry. Goodbye. We'll just sign a cheap. We'll just draft a new receiver. I, with a, a way broader, way wider range of skill set and outcomes. I hope that made sense. And then with Dalton Kincaid, my second piece of it, kind of tying into the second option, line him up all over the field. You're not gonna line him up in the backfield. Maybe, but Ken Dorsey doesn't have that capability of being that creative. If it if it's the if that was the kind of shot at Ken Dorsey, it, it was. Don't get me wrong. Twisted. It was. Yeah. Um. But what was I saying? Dalton Kigan lining up over the field without Knox. You're going eleven personnel, and honestly, I think that might help the Bills' offense because defenses might not have to spread around the field, and defenses might might not be as high flying covering guy Knox, who have been so disappointing anyway. So. Don't get in the slot. Don't get his traditional tight end. Don't get flexed out wide. Obviously, he, he does his best work in the slot, but obviously Deontay Hardy is going to be the actual starting slot receiver now because no more 12 personnel, two tight end sets. So uh, don't get be more of a traditional tight end. The only knock in him is he has to get much better as a blocker. Yeah, he's a young blocker, but I'm not going to mince words. He's an awful, terrible blocker. He can't block. He's either getting pancaked, put on the ground, or sometimes getting penalties or the overextends and holds. and or Yeah. So next, that's just how I would treat the Dalton King Ante Hardy. Gabe Davis dynamic with Dalton King being the number two option focal point. Forget 2024. This needs to happen uh, October 26, 2023. <laughs> we need to see it. So midway through 2023. Second key, utilize Josh Allen as a rusher to combat stingy Bucks defense and give Bill's offense a much-needed jolt slash spark. I don't know what it is about Josh, but he, after week one, he has severely, severely dialed back. When the rushing attempts were up here in the last few years, his whole career basically, they're way down here. Now... Um, I think after week one, the coach McDermott and Dorsey and the coaches kind of pulled him aside and say, hey, look, bud, we love you running, but you can't take those big hits. So it's not coached out of him. It's an innate ability. He'll never just forget it. But now, again, you don't want to be a battering ram like Cam Newton because look what happened to him. Multiple different shoulder injuries and shoulder surgeries, I should say. And, yeah, we know how that story went. Look at Cam, now. Look at Cam Newton now. You don't want to be like that. But there's a smart way to run, Josh. I feel like ever since week one, he's passed up multiple, multiple, at least that I can count of multiple lanes where he can take off and run and kind of catch the defense off guard because they're all back playing zone defense or prevent defense. I think that's one of the reasons why the Bills offense starts slow and is slow for entire games until the last few drives of a fourth quarter the last few weeks because 
teams know that Josh isn't as big as a runner this year. So teams know that he's less willing to take off. Teams know that they can just defend the deep ball and defend his arm. They can defend his arm strength, if you will. They can. They don't have to defend his running ability anymore because he's just not doing that as much this year. I need to see it more happen. Yes, I don't want to be a better man. You don't need to go out there and, and hurdle guys every play. You don't need to go out there once you have the first down, go out of bounds. You don't need to go out there and put your shoulder down with an injured bum shoulder and ram into somebody on the sideline for a late hit out of balance or whatnot. There's a way to sm- there's reckless running and then there's a way of smart running. And Josh needs to have taken the smart running. And I think, because he's been more co- cool, calm, and collected, I feel like, um, not in terms of turnover, but just in kind of like poise this year and not as running as much. He's passed up multiple lanes, though. I feel like the coaching staff needs to explain to him, like, you can still run, just do it in a smart way. So I feel like that will get defenses off guard because they're so used to him passing now this season. Deep balls and arm strength and whatnot, so... I feel like there's a balance. Yes, we said Josh Allen ran too much. This offense is built around Josh Allen making Superman plays in the ground. But then this season, it's like his rushing attempts are way down. It needs You need to strike a balance. And right now, there's no balance. It can't be heavy skewed this way too much or heavy skewed this way way too little. You just need to be somewhere in the middle. You don't need to have, you don't need to have like 80, 90 rushing yards a game. But you don't need to have 10, 20, that little rushing yards a game. Maybe like 40, 50 a game. That's very plausible. It's very feasible. I sound like very realistic. Uh, I feel like I should say very realistic. So there's a balance that needs to be found here. And I don't think it's been found yet. Uh, next, third out of fourth, James Cook needs to be heavily involved in the game plan. I like Latavius Murray. I like Latavius Murray. Okay, I like Latavius Murray, but he's a veteran. He's 33 years old. He's not huge in this offense anyway. I think I said this on my recap, but James Cook's snaps were at 50, uh, 52% against the uh, New England Patriots. We lost. Now, that's not why we lost. That was a very little reason why we lost, but it was some of it. Ken Dorsey lacks balance in his offensive play calling. Really, Ken Dorsey lacks anything in his offensive play calling, as you can tell. I'm not a Dorsey fan whatsoever. But, uh, yeah, I feel like James Cook's snaps need to be um, 80% at least. Have him. He's not a great pass blocker. He's serviceable at this point. He was below average last year, his rookie year, but second in the league, he's actually improved a lot in terms of preseason and training camp and all that. And now he's at least serviceable, at least average. Maybe he can get to above average next year and keep working on it. Latavius Murray, obviously a much better Pass blocker and run pass blocker, obviously 6'3, 230. But James Cook, even if he's not receiving the ball, he can be in there to pass block. He can be in there to distract defenses. Maybe he can split out in the slot. Defenses will have to come over to cover him. That can open someone like Deontay Hardy, someone like Dalton Kincaid, someone like Gabe Davis again as the third or fourth option, ideally in my world here. Um, that I'm building, but uh, yeah. If he doesn't catch a pass or he doesn't run it, at least he can be out there to distract defenses and improve his pass blocking. So I need to see James Cook at least get 80% of the offensive snaps. I like the Davis Marina. I actually like Ty Johnson sprinkled in here and there, but they can share the other 20% of snaps. James, this has to be the bulk of James Cook's backfield. So uh, Now, I usually only have three keys, but as I said and alluded to before, I have a fourth one just because there's so much to say. This is a must win. 
him and legit, I mean, this is better, easier, what's that phrase? This is easier said than done, but I think that have a legit plan to slow down Bucks de- Buccaneers, Bucks defensive tackle Vita Vea. Have you seen Vita Vea? He's like six. I I, I don't want to get this wrong. Let's just look it up. I've actually done this before, but let's just look it up together on Vita Vea Wikipedia page. I know he's well, well over three hundred pounds. I mean, he. I, I feel like he doesn't get the recognition and respect he deserves. When people talk about defensive tackles, they talk about, like, Aaron Donald, Chris Jones. But I feel like Vita, uh, Jeffrey Simmons, Dexter Lawrence, Quinn Williams. Dexter Lawrence has had a bit of a disappointing season this year, in my opinion. I think Vita Vea surpassed him this year. So, yeah. Uh, da, 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 college Washington. Yeah, that's okay. uh, where is it? Okay, yeah. Six, four. 347 pounds. I thought Jordan Phillips for the Bills was a big at 340. Holy crap. 347 for Vita Vea. I, I, first of all, he's an elite run stuffer. You are not getting anything past Vita Vea. So you need to use outside zone runs and outside gap runs to a T in this with James Cook. And you may got maybe get some screens going. But even that, Vita Vea blows up screens pretty well because he's much more athletic than I thought for a 347-pounder. He can move at 347 pounds. It's like alien stuff. And then he can actually pass rush, too, at 347 pounds. Maybe you top. Uh, don't get gay. If he's the only offense on the field for like every snap, then he's not going to help to block. He's going to do anything. He'll get mauled by Vita Vea, unfortunately. Vea, unfortunately. But Cyrus Torrance, that will be one hell of a matchup. Cyrus Torrance with how much he weighs, like 345. And then freaking uh, Vita Vea, 347. Oh, my God. That's like a matchup of really bears uh, or any large animals you want to think of. That just that just two clashing titans going at each other. That's it. But Cyrus Torrance can't do it by himself. Who's another like massive guy on this team? Maybe they bring in David Edwards as an extra like jumbo tight end to help. I double team Vita Vea, triple team Vita Vea. Because other than him, their other defensive tackle is Kalaja Kansi. He's pretty undersized for a defensive tackle. He's only like 6'1, 381, uh, 300. Uh, 6'1, 281 pounds. Pretty well undersized for a defensive tackle, but have a plan for Vita Vea. Oh, and I didn't write this down, but this is technically a fifth key a lot to talk about today. Once again, the Bills need to start fast. What? It's very simple. All caps, two words start fast! Exclamation point. Because against the Chiefs, Eagles, Bengals, Chargers, Cowboys, any of those teams, even the Jets, who are Josh Allen's kryptonite, apparently, I don't know how, but they are. You need to start fast. And I am, because I'm sick of waiting until the fourth quarter. I said this in a recap. I'm sick of waiting until the fourth quarter in the last few drives where everyone celebrates. Oh, woohoo, we scored. Okay, but you're, uh, the first three quarters, you were crap. So, to put lightly, and I don't care it's my own team. Let's be honest. You were crap the first three quarters the last three games. I didn't say this in a recap. I should have. In the last three halves, first half against the Jaguars, the uh, they scored seven points. First half against the Giants, they scored zero points. First half against the Patriots just three days ago this past Sunday, they scored three 
freaking points in the first half. So in the last three halves combined, in the last three halves of games, they've scored 10 total points. Stop starting so damn slow. I am a huge guy. I'm a huge advocate of I'm a huge, um, if you win the coin toss, defer to the second half guy. But I don't know. I'm, I'm starting to change my mentality with this Bills team because I love that getting it, deferring to the second half. I do it 10 out of 10 times. Madden, real game, anytime. Because if you're down by three or seven, or if you're down by a score, you can go march right down. Which the Bills haven't been doing, but you can go march right down, tie it up, or if you are t- indeed tied, in fact tied up with the other team, then you can go right down, hopefully, and score and take the lead by three or seven or what have you. But I think I'm transitioning to a guy that for the Bills, at least for this season, this game against the Bucks, if they win the coin toss, get the damn ball first. Like McDermott needs to choose to receive. I'm usually not that guy again, but start fast, score first. You something. This team needs a jolt in the f- first three quarters. I'm tired of waiting to celebrate in the fourth quarter, and then they end up losing. Um, but start fast. Stop waiting until the fourth quarter. I mean, the first three quarters game, you look lost out there. Ken Dorsey looks like he doesn't know what he's doing. Josh Allen's throwing a pick in their very first game. They're punting 100 times in a row. Not realistically, but it feels like that. I mean, first three quarters of games are brutal. And once again, 10 points, 10 in the last three halves alone of games. When they play, I will say this right now, when they play like the, first of all, I've enjoyed watching the Bills. I mean, I always enjoy watching the Bills because they're my team. I heard fan for years. That will never change. But I haven't like been happy with what I'm watching. Happy and en- actually enjoyed watching the Bills since week four against Miami. We were on the 48-20-28. They were at the top of the mountain. Woohoo! Everyone celebrate. And then they crashed. They crumbled. When they play the Dolphins, when they play like they play the Dolphins, nobody can beat them. Maybe other than the Chiefs, but nobody can beat Eagles maybe? Bengals? No, because they've been kind of in. It's here inconsistent. No one can beat them. Other than those slick couple of teams like Chiefs and Eagles and maybe Bengals. But they always play down in the competition. They play good teams really good, and they play bad teams awfully. Is that a word? They play bad teams like crap. They play – I don't get it. They play down in their competition. This is the NFL. You need to play um, play every game like it's the Super Bowl. Play with some damn urgency. Stefan Diggs looks like the only one that actually has – Energy. This is how much Stephon Diggs is a competitor. Against the Jaguars, he threw down a Microsoft Surface Pro tablet because he was... No, don't get ideas twisted that, oh, he's a diva, this and that. No, he was mad at himself that he didn't get the right release off the route. He didn't run the right route and get the ball, whatever. It's on him. But you need some energy. And Josh Allen, he sounded like a very determined man. He sounded like a very determined quarterback in his press conference yesterday on Tuesday, October 24th. I mean, I haven't watched yet, but I saw clips and quotes from different media members on the Buffalo Bills beat reporters here and there that he said, the most famous quote was he said, maybe I, maybe I need to stop overthinking things so much and just play football. And maybe I need to be more of a vocal leader. You're going to see a more energetic Josh Allen. You're going to see a more vocal Josh Allen. If Gabe Davis drops the ball, get over to him and say, what in the hell are you doing? Okay, he's probably not going to 
say that, but say, what are you doing? Get in guys' faces. If you're Sean McDermott, get in guys' faces. I know he's kind of a soft coach in the sense that he doesn't like conflict. You know, he never wants to micromanage micromanage other coaches. He wants to let Ken Dorsey do what Ken Dorsey wants to do. I don't give a crap. Get in people's faces. Micromanage Ken Dorsey because that man has no clue what he's doing right now. Oh, and I'm Ken Dorsey. I if I were Sean McDermott, this is the this is the you need to get in people's faces, and I don't care if you don't like conflict or confrontation piece. I don't give a crap. You need to signal if you're Sean McDermott to Ken Dorsey, you are fighting, fighting for your job as Bill's offensive coordinator tomorrow night, this Thursday night against the Buccaneers on Thursday night football. If we come out sloppy and if we lose, first of all, if we lose, I'll be beside myself. If we come out sloppy and if Ken Dorsey looks like he has no clue what he's doing and he dials up these stupid play calls and the most vanilla boring offense you could think of and they look sleepwalk, Ken Dorsey, I'm candidate. Goodbye. Don't let the door hit you on the way out. Sorry to be harsh, but we need someone new in there. Joe Brady, I mean... Ken Dorsey, offensive play call. Yeah, that's great. But there's three other guys that have called plays a bad offensive coordinators in some capacity in the NFL. Current O-line coach Aaron Cromer, who's very respected, one of the best O-line coaches the past decade, the past 10 years across the league in terms of coaching circles and stuff, has been an offensive coordinator. Tennant's coach Rob Boris has been an offensive coordinator before. Most notably, offensive coordinator, uh, quarterbacks coach Joe Brady, probably the most notable one, has been an OC offensive coordinator. He was the offensive coordinator for LSU when they had Joe Burrow, Jamar Chase, Clyde Edwards-Alaire, Terrace Marshall, Jam- uh, uh, yeah, Justin Jefferson, most notable. So he knows what he's doing, and I felt like he got wrongfully fired by the Panthers a couple years later, but then he came to Buffalo. He Hell, he can do it. Fire Ken Dorsey, replace him with Joe Brady. See, Ken, Joe Brady, come on up. You're calling plays now. So I would signal that McDermott needs to get more tough in these guys' faces. So, but I think you're going to see more vocal Josh Allen and more, more. Just go out there and play football, and you know, Ken Dorsey tries to come up with these exotic, complicated plays. There's a way to be creative, but creative doesn't mean complicated and stupid. Like be simple. Just have stuff in things against the island one on one or someone against the island one on one. Say my player is better than your player. We're just gonna go run a streak route, and that's that. You don't have to be so damn complicated, my God. Anyway, that little rants over. Okay, three keys for the Bills defense here. Uh, first, now this is very important. Bucks running back or shot penny has played very. I want to emphasize, emphasize, I should say, very poorly this season. So keep it that way. Don't let him have a career day against you and make him look elite all of a sudden. For some damn reason, every running back that plays the Bills has a career day against them. Saquon had his best game of the season after his week back from injury against us. 93 yards, I believe. Antonio Gibson and Brian Robinson Jr. had their best game against us in week two. Ramondre Stevenson killed us with the screen passes and Zeke Elliott as well Sunday. Rashad White has been so poor this season. The guy averages like three yards a carry. The guy is not explosive. He has receiving ability, but he hasn't even done that this year. Sean Tucker and Keyshawn Vaughn backups, whatever. But I'm mainly talking about Rashad White. Don't keep keep it that way. Keep his very poor play freaking that way. 
don't make him look like the next coming of Barry Sanders, like you did to Michael Carter last year when you played the Jets that first time. They beat him the second time, but that first time mainly. Don't make him look like Adrian Peterson and Barry Sanders out there, or Walter Payton, or literally any famous Hall of Fame running back you want to talk about as an analogy. Make him look like very below par, average, very poor Rashad White in terms of receiving and rushing. If we don't have Ed Oliver, I, I, I'm not confident in this run defense at all. If we don't have Jordan Phillips, holy crap, we're just going to need bodies at that point. I said Elianco, I think, is our second-best defensive tackle on the roster. So Ed Oliver's first, Elianco second. And after that, Puna Ford, Tim Sell, Jordan Phillips, I really don't care. Kendall Vickers even might be better off the practice squad. So keep Rashad White the way he's been playing. Keep him looking very poor like he has been. Secondly, for the defense. Second key for the defense, I should say. This secondary needs to have a huge bounce-back game against great receivers in Mike Evans and Chris Godwin. Let me preface it, introduce us by saying this. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers offense is not this complicated behemoth where they do all this motion and pre-snap stuff and crap like the Dolphins do. It's very consolidated, if you will. It's... Rashad White's been a dud, so it's Mike... There's really no slot receiver, so there's two outside receivers. It's Mike Evans... And that's Chris Godwin. And that's about it. It's very, very highly concentrated to those two players. And they have a defense that is number one in the league in takeaways. And actually, um, Baker Mayfield is number two in the league when it rela relates to escaping pressure. So Patch Mahomes is the best at escape escaping pressure in the league. Uh, Josh, um, Baker Mayfield is second. I don't know how. That's weird. And then Josh Allen is third. So you need to get Baker off balance sometimes, but hem him in because he has sneaky athleticism, I feel like. But it's 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 Mike Evans and Chris Godwin. I'm fearful, though, that Mike Evans is going to destroy Christian Benford and Chris Godwin is going to destroy Dane Jackson or whoever ends up being on who. That's just I'm assuming what the matchups will be. This is going to be after a big game for Taron Johnson and those safeties and Mike Godwin and Jordan Poyer because I don't have much confidence in Benford and Jackson right now. There's a lot of players on this Bills team that my confidence is that Ooh, an all-time low with them. Yeah, confidence is at an all-time low with Dawson Knox, even though he's likely to IR. Confidence, especially all-time low with Gabe Davis, Christian Bedford, Dan Jackson. I've been highly disappointed the last few weeks with these players, especially Sunday against the Patriots. So if you can concentrate on Mike Evans and Chris Godwin, they don't really have anything else. I mean, Kate Otten is okay at, at tight end. I feel like Terrell Bernard can handle him. So next, Th uh, third and last defensive key here. Bucks offensive line has played very well this season, and the same five players have started every single game together this year. So Bill's defensive line needs to show them looks they haven't seen much this season. Maybe by looks, the same five have started um, every single game this year. I don't. Very few teams can do that through seven games. Oh, they had a bye week in there, so I guess technically. Six games, whatever. But highlighted by left tackle Tristan Wirfs. And I don't know if you're going to have – who are you going to – Greg Rochelle and Tristan Wirfs. I think Tristan Wirfs easily gets the better of that. But this defense line needs – if they do somehow get through pressure, I think you need to kind of flex Shaq Lawson and Greg Rousseau to the interior, especially at Oliver and Jordan Phillips are out. Just at Oliver, actually. If he's out, then they didn't do it as much as I – nearly as much as I thought they would on Sunday. So – Blacks, Gregorstone, Shaq Lawson in the interior as pseudo-defensive tackles and have them bull rush from in there. And then, yeah, but I'm still frightened 
with the defensive tackles, but maybe give them some exotic looks. They haven't seen some exotic fronts. They haven't seen um, Sean McDermott. Looks like he knows what he's doing as the defensive coordinator, thankfully, because Ken Dorsey doesn't know he's doing offensive coordinator on the other side of the ball. But, yeah, uh, highlighted by Tristan Wirfs in left guard Cody Mock, Malk, whatever, who's played very well as a rookie from North Dakota State. So just – and Hem and Baker Mayfield, don't give up on pressure because don't let the motor run out, if you will, because he's very – he's sneaky athletic. And like I said, number two, second best in the league at escaping pressure. So anyways, these are my player of the game predictions. On offense, I think it will be Dalton Cade. Like I said, ideally, here's how it would go in this offense for me. The Fenigs, clear number one target. That option, that'll never change. But Don Kincaid slides nicely into this number two option. And then Deontay Hardy would be number three. And Gabe Davis would be number four. I just can't reiterate how much I've been highly disappointed in Gabe Davis this year. Offense, Don Kincaid, though, that's my player of the game prediction for him. I just think, well, one of my predict. I think this is a big Don Kincaid. This has to be a trend. This can't be a one-week thing, Condorcy. This has to be a trend. Uh, defense, Taron Johnson. Like I said, I don't have much confidence in Christian Bedford and Dane Jackson against uh, Mike Evans and Chris Gavin, respectively. So I think the other players like Jordan Poirier and Mike High, but maybe Taron Johnson, mainly Taron Johnson here, as I'm predicting him be my personal defensive player of the game because he'll come in the box some. Maybe you have him on some blitzes. He rarely does that. But maybe you have him covering Mike Evans if it doesn't work out with the other outside corners. Uh, here are my five game predictions. Listen, I'm being much more conservative here. If a team tells you what they are, you got to believe. In the last few weeks, the Bills have told them they're not, us. They're not a Super Bowl contender, unfortunately. And if we drop out of the playoff picture, I'm going to be, I, I don't know. I'm going to be beside myself. First, Josh Allen has at least 50 rushing yards. Like I said, there's a happy medium. You don't have to have 80, 90 rushing yards a game, but you don't have to have as little as 10, 20 rushing yards a game. 40, 50 rushing yards a game, very plausible, very feasible. So strike a balance in smart running. Next, Deontay Hardy outsnaps Gabe Davis. I've been alluding this all episode. You probably could tell already, but this is very simple. Deontay Hardy's speed, he's much better route runner than Gabe Davis. And he takes tops off of defenses with a speed downfield. He hasn't looked explosive as last year, the last few years, or as all pro rookie years are returning New Orleans Saint, uh, in New Orleans on the Saints. But I think they're going to know that on offense, they'll use the speed. And simply, I think he outsnaps Gabe Davis. And frankly, he should. Third, Dalton Kigay gets his first touchdown season. I will keep predicting this, guys. I've said it every week until it actually happens. Fourth, Taron Johnson has an interception. I feel like. Baker Mayfield, like he hasn't faced the stout, stoutest, uh, is that a word? He hasn't faced the most difficult defense in the world yet. I think the Bills, although, albeit they have injuries, Matt um, Milano, Trey White, and Oliver, Jordan Phillips, you know, everyone, Daquan Jones, um, I think he'll throw an interception. And Baker Mayfield's starting to look like the Baker Mayfield that he's been his whole career as a first overall pick bust. He had the magical first two weeks of the season, and then it's kind of gone downhill from there. Uh, Bill, and then I'm being much more conservative with the score predictions as well. Bills win the game 27-24. I think Ken Dorsey will keep his job for at least one more week, much to my dismay. But if we don't score at least 20, 27 points here, like I'm predicting, can get Dorsey and 
have Joe Brady take over. Bills win 27-24. AFC East look ahead. What's going on with the S the AFC East this week? There were six bye weeks yes last week. So Jets were on a bye week. Six teams that I should say were on a bye week, including the Jets. And there's zero bye week teams this week. I don't know how the schedule makers had that going. But Bills versus Buccaneers tomorrow night in Thursday night football. I just said Bills win 27-24 in my prediction. Dolphins versus Patriots. I mean, the Patriots are sneaky, but like everyone's high. The Dolphins are still insanely high-powered offense. I think the Dolphins blow them out. I, and then that will be even more embarrassing for the Bills. How did the Bills lose to a piss-poor team? Let's be honest, like the Patriots. And then Jets at Giants. Oh, boy, that's – oh, what a game. Giants are technically home, but it's MetLife Stadium, East Rutherford. They share a stadium. It's a neutral site. Like, they're both home, let's be honest. Um. That's going to be such a you, – you could potentially have Zach Wilson versus Tyrod Taylor. That's such a bad game. But I think it's going to be a very low-scoring defensive battle game, something like 13-10, to 17-10, some very bad game like that defense. I think both quarterbacks throw one or two interceptions. But anyways, guys, um, so, yeah, I think the Bills beat the Buccaneers 27-24. to um, A couple things before I get out of here and before you enjoy us today. Um, you can follow me personally on Twitter at AYGunner13. You can follow the show on Twitter at Around Slice for any scheduling updates, any episode teases, any sneak peeks, any of that. And if you'd like to support the show on Patreon for just $3 a month, you get extra exclusive content. For example, every Tuesday, except I didn't do one this week. I was too busy with YouTube content and stuff and personal stuff. Um, you can go to Around the Slice power rankings around the slice or patreon.com slash around the slice just to say i'll put it in the description on youtube or audio platforms but again that's patreon.com slash around the slice you can listen to this uh podcast uh or watch on youtube apple spotify or wherever you get your favorite podcasts i appreciate it and i appreciate all the support and the engagement comments below and stuff for what's coming up for this channel we're continuing our um looking at Buffalo Bills 2022 NFL trade deadline spotlights. I got a nice little playlist for you guys right here as YouTube exclusives on this Around the Slice YouTube channel. If you're listening on audio right now, I will highly welcome you and encourage you to come over to that. A lot of stuff coming out are on the trade deadline. We might do a live stream to cover the trade deadline, and I'm highlighting guys that the Bills could target with separate videos here and throughout the week and maybe next Monday leading up to the trade deadline that the Bills could target at positions and needs. Anyways, guys, have a great rest of your day. If the Bills don't win, I don't know what I'll do. But for now, I'm pressing the Bills to win 27-24. Enjoy the game and have a great week and weekend. Uh, this has been your Bills Bucks preview episode. Bye.